Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. You can see Rhonda's favorite picture, right? But listen, those of you that's been around here a long time, you know that's when you look sexy, man. That's right. You lucky because she's about to make me, never mind, all right. All right. Hey, it's so good to see everybody today. You look good. You've been spring breaking and now you're ready to go, right? So good to see you. We're glad that you are here today. It's going to be a great day at SEC. Well, today we are, as Katie told you, that we're finishing up this series that we started called uh, Good News. And today I want to talk to you about how to trust God's better plan. And I don't know about you, but as, as we talk about today, today is Palm Sunday. And I, I don't know, I didn't grow up in a religious background, so a lot of these days that they talked about that were religious days were a little confusing to me. I didn't know what they meant. So, like, when I heard Palm Sunday, I thought, okay, well, I guess today's the day they're going to read your palm. You know, I don't know. Matter of fact, did you ever hear, have your, like, palm read in middle school? Oh, shoot, we did, because, you know, all the girls would come up and say, let me read your palm and see if you're going to get married. If they was cute, we'd like, okay, go ahead, read, read on. You know, the way you knew you was going to get married, right, was if you had an M in your hand, when you creased your hand, if it had an M in it, you was going to get married, right? Okay, now you're looking at your hands, aren't you? I'm sorry, you've been married 20 years by now, and they missed it, right? You don't have an M, but... Uh, yeah. So I just, you know, it's, so I was a little confused with the Palm Sunday. As a matter of fact, when I would go to um, like a pageant play or something, a, a passion play where they depicted Jesus last week on earth and he would go to the cross and you would see them having Jesus ride down on the donkey. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. You know, the actor would be doing that. Well, I'll just be honest with you. You know, back then I, I was more interested in what the donkey was going to leave behind. I was like, what is that joker doing? He's going to mess up this place, you know? But anyways, matter of fact, I wrote all that in the email that I send you out every week. Uh, I put that in there. So hopefully you had a preview already. What I want to talk to you today about Palm Sunday, uh, uh, the significance of that. But again, the purpose of Palm Sunday was that God had a better plan. So we're going to talk about how to trust God's better plan. I've got to back up. Before we go into Palm Sunday, I got to back up about 1,500 years. If you were to go back into history and into the scripture as well, you would find that there was some, uh, that God's people had been held captive in Egypt. They were slaves. The Jewish people, the whole Jewish nation, had become slaves of the Egyptians for over 400 years. Matter of fact, they had built their empire on the backs of slaves of the Jews. And they'd been crying out, God save us, Lord save us, get us. And then God sends a guy by the name of Moses 
there and Moses comes in to Egypt and he basically tells the king, which we call a Pharaoh, tell him that God says, let my people go. And the guy refuses to do that, so God sends like 10 plagues, and that's a great story that you can read in the book of Exodus in the Bible. But the last one is this, is that Moses goes and said, listen, if you do not let God's people go, he is going to slay the firstborn of every person. He's going to be the firstborn of every cattle, and, and every person in Egypt will be slain, the firstborn. And the Egyptian king says, no, we're not going to do it. So Moses goes and tells the people, the Jewish people, said, listen, God's going to send a death angel through, and the way that you're going to protect your family from your firstborn being dead is that you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to select a spotless lamb, bring it, slaughter it, take its blood, and wipe the blood over the outside of your doorpost. And when you do the death angel is going to pass over. That's how the celebration of Passover came into play is because Passover means the death angel passed over the Jewish people. But four days before Passover, before the, four days before the death angel come over was the day of selection. And now we fast forward 1,500 years later. Jesus is walking in or riding in on a donkey and here he is coming in. It is actually four days before Passover. It is, so we call it Palm Sunday, but actually the Old Testament would have been Selection Day. So on Selection Day that the lamb that was going to die in the place of people's sin and die in other people's places was actually selected on that day. And so Jesus comes in on Selection Day because God, he is God's Lamb of God. And he has been selected to die for the sins of the world. So it's on that day that he begins to enter the city. Now, we, And so we begin to call that Palm Sunday because they actually were waving palm branches as Jesus came in. So let's just look what the scripture says. In Matthew 20 and, uh, 21 and 6, it says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. What did he instruct them to do? He said, go get me a donkey to ride in on and a colt. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus said on them, a very large crowd spread their cloaks, notice that, spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches, which were palm branches, from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd went ahead of him, and those followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, so we see Jesus has entered again. He's riding on a donkey. And so to give you a better visual of this, we took a movie clip from the life of Jesus to show this to you. So watch this. So that's a, pic, that's a visual of what happened is how that he was riding in on this donkey. And the thing is that, remember, the people in Egypt were suppressed and oppressed by the Egyptians. The Jewish people were oppressed by the Romans at this time. 
So they're believing that their plan is that God is going to send in a Savior to save them from the oppressor. So let's just jump right into the outline now because I want to show you four things that will help you how to, to show you how to trust God's better plan. You ready? The first thing is this. Let's write it down. Number one is this. Realize Jesus didn't come to set us free from all our people problems. That's the fill in people. He came to set us free from all of our sin problems. Would you write that down? Jesus didn't come to set us free from all of our people problems. He came to set us free from all of our sin problems. Now, see, that was a mess. That messed them up because they were expecting Jesus to come in and clean house. And fix all their people problems. But Jesus comes to set us free from our sin problems. And by the way, let me just say this to you. If you allow Jesus to solve your sin problems, that will take care of 90% of your people problems. <laughs> if you're a gossip, if, you're a go if you talk about everybody, and you slander people all the time, you slay them with your tongue then you're probably going to have the same thing. People are probably going to be talking about you a lot. If your problem, if your problem is anger, that you just, you know, that you're an angry person, then probably you're going to have to deal with a lot of angry people. So whatever your struggle is in that area that we have to let God deal with and help us change our lives in, if you're a liar... You're probably going to have a lot of people telling lies on you. So when you solve the, the sin problem, then usually you solve a lot of the people problems, right? And so what we want to do is we want to point that they're the problem, they're the problem, they're the problem. But most of the time, it's a sin problem that we have to do. So Jesus come to solve that. Let me tell you something. The problem with most of us is this, is that when we look into our future, most of us only see our past. Many of us sitting in this room here today that we have generation, we call them generation curses. And that is that some of you would say that my mother was an alcoholic, her mother was an alcoholic, and her, grand, her mother was an alcoholic. Some of you would say that my dad was a deadbeat, his dad was a deadbeat, and his dad was a deadbeat. I guess I'm just going to be a deadbeat. Some of you would say that, you know what, uh, my whole family divorced, uh, this gener that generation divorced, my grandparents' generation divorced, everybody got a divorce, so I guess I am destined to get a divorce. But I would tell you the power of Jesus is this, is that he helps you change your view. You see, Jesus wants you to see your future differently, and he wants that when you look forward through the power of Jesus, you don't have to always be looking back. My friend Alan Green uh, sent a text this week to me and it said this, it said simply, he said, you know what? It's amazing how the windshield on a car is a lot wider and bigger than the rear view mirror. And many of us today, when we look at our lives, we look into a rear view mirror. When Jesus comes in and says, I'm going to give you the power that when you look forward, you don't have to keep looking back. Amen. Isn't that good news? That means that, listen, today, 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 today is your day that you get a chance to change your family tree. You get a chance. Maybe everybody in your family is divorced and you don't, you don't have to do that. Maybe every, everybody in your family has been an alcoholic. I want to tell you, that doesn't mean that you have to be a slave to that. 
Maybe everybody in your family's been a drug addict, or maybe everybody in your family's been a liar, a cheat, a steal. Maybe everybody in your family's been way down here. They, they've always thought that everybody else had it better than them. And, and, you know, maybe they just chose to live down here. You don't have to live down there. You can live up here because the power of Jesus Christ sets you free. Amen? So family curses are broken. Ron and I decided that we would break one. Ours was, in my family and her family too, was divorce. And we decided that we were going to stay together. And the only way we've been able to do that is through Jesus Christ. I will not lie about it. But he's given us the power to overcome. Matter of fact, let me just tell you something. There's a special day today. Uh, 22 years ago, on April the 9th, today's date, Rhonda and I rolled up to this little church in Forest Park. And we accepted the position to be the pastor of this little church. And that little church has grown and grown and grown. And we've moved a couple times and has become this church. So 22 years ago today, I became the pastor of the greatest church in the whole world. And I just want to say thank you. 22 years. You know what? I like you more and more every week. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Like, I mean, like, I enjoy being your pastor more and more every year. I don't, I, you know, I'm just telling you. I'm not one of those guys who, why, oh, you know, I got it so bad. I got all this. No. No, I love you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you got issues or I wouldn't have a job. Just think about it. If you weren't jacked up, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and I wasn't jacked up, we just couldn't be, you know. Hey, thank you. Job security, hallelujah. I don't know why I said all that. I guess because it's true. I guess I don't know. So here's the thing I want you to know. Here's how this all dynamic happens. It's on the screen that's coming up, and look at it. Look what it says. Why don't you just read this with me? This is so powerful. Look what it says. You ready? I must turn toward Jesus before I can turn away from my sin. Let's read that out loud one more time. Come on, with a little more energy. You ready? I must turn toward Jesus before I can turn away from my sin. And that is the truth. There is no way, like if, if your lifestyle of sin is this direction and Jesus is this direction, there is no way that you can turn toward your, your sin and be turning toward Jesus. You can't do it. And there's no way that if Jesus is over here and you turn toward Jesus, then there's no way that you can be turned towards sin too. You just can't. So either way, your choice to turn. And so this is what I want to tell you. I mean, many, many, many people say, you know, when I quit this habit, when I quit doing this, then I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you could quit, you would have already quit. If you could have, stra if you could have fixed you, you'd been fixed a long time ago. But you can't. And so today, I get to be the privileged one to tell you today that all you got to do is a 180, baby. And you just make your turn right toward Jesus. And he's the one that empowers you to let go of that stuff. 
And let me just tell you something. When you turn, that stuff's still going to pull at you. And so he's going to work with you to help you get through that stuff. Until finally, it's going to be broken. And it's not going to hold you as a slave anymore. Amen? So today, if that's you, and you'd like to turn toward Jesus, there's a prayer in our program called the Prayer to Become a Christ Follower. I would challenge you to, this prayer will help you turn toward Jesus. If you pray this prayer today in your mind, we're not going to ask you to come forward or stand up or run down the aisle. We're not going to ask you to do any of that. Right where you are. And if you do it, the only thing we're going to ask you is on the back of this connection card is that you just check the box that I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so that we can pray for you as well. Okay. The second thing I'd like to share with you, that, so remember we have to trust God's better plan and turning toward Jesus is God's better plan. The second thing is this, would you write this down? Lay down, that's it, lay down the things in your life that you feel are hindering your relationship with Jesus. Lay down the things in your life that you feel are hindering your relationship with Jesus. We go, back to the, we go back to the scene. Remember, Jesus is coming in on the donkey. People are waving palm branches, but there's something else that they do. Watch this. Look what it says. In Matthew 21 and 8, it says, A very large crowd spread their what? Their cloak on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Okay, this is, this is neat here. They wore an outer robe. They called it their cloak, sort of like a jacket. But this particular cloak was a status symbol. In other words, it's how they identified. It was like, you know, it was something special to them. It was like the trends of the day. Matter of fact, I would say, you know, if you're in high school or, or middle school, and, and maybe, uh, you know, in high school you got a letterman jacket. It just said, oh, I'm a part of the, you know, I'm a part of the wrestling team, or I'm part of the football team, or I'm part of the chorus, or I'm part of the, the whatever, beta club, or whatever, whatever jacket you have would give you your symbol. Now, for me, I didn't have one of those jackets, but I did have, in my day, there was called a members-only jacket. <laughs> anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about here? Okay, if you're over 40, you just understood that. If you're under 40, Google it. Some of you still got your members-only jacket and your clothing, too, don't you? You're like, I still got that thing. That was a status. You, was a, you walk around with a members-only jacket, baby. You was somebody. Your shirt had holes in them, but you had your jacket. <laughs> And so what it was like, it was a status symbol. So what they done is they took their status and said, this is who I identify with. And it was their status, their cloak was their status symbol. When you walked down there, it was like they had the little eyes on, on, you know, whatever. And it was their status saying, I'm somebody. And when Jesus walked in, since they believed that he was going to deliver them from the Roman Empire and the people that oppressed them, he was going to solve all their people problems. When he come in the door, they, when he come in on the donkey, not only did they wave branches, but they 
took off the outer jacket and they said, hey, you can have my members only. You can have my letterman jacket. You can have, in other words, you're the Lord. I want to identify with you because you're my king and I'm going to follow you. You're going to deliver me so you can just walk over that. It was like laying down a red carpet before Jesus. He laid it down. I'm identifying with you. You're, you, you're it. You're, you're going to be the king. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, sometimes in our lives, we have to lay stuff down to pave the way for Jesus. And that's what they were doing. They were laying down their status to pave the way with Jesus. And, you know, my father-in-law, who's a man that Rhonda and I will be married 30 years this year, man, she's put up with me a long time. Well, you can see what she's done to me. You've seen what was in my hand on that picture, right? And she has broke me in. <laughs> she's got me just where she wants me, I'm telling you. She, I thought, how did that happen? But anyways. But my father-in-law um, told me, again, Ron and I dated four years before we got married, so we've been together almost 34 years. And my father-in-law told me this story about when he'd become a believer in the 70s. He said, you know, back then, it was cool to smoke. Everybody, every movie you watched, people smoked, you know. And he said, so did I. But he said, for me personally, he said, it just for me personally, he said, it wasn't like a sin or anything, but he said, it was just for me personally, I felt like in order for me to pave the way to, for Jesus to come into my life, that I need to lay down cigarettes. And he said, I never will forget I, I had to do that. He said, it was just for me. It was one of those things for me. And what I want to tell you is this, is that some things in our life are not bad. They're just not good. I'm not picking on that issue. That was just his issue. But I'm saying there's some things in our life that are just, they're not bad. They're just not good. And so my question for you today is this. What do you need to take off and lay down that would pave the way for Jesus to be more in your life. What is that? What is it? What's in your life right now? What's in your life? And right now, as I'm saying, all of a sudden, it, you, you're hearing it right now. <laughs> what is it in your life that, that you need to take off and lay down in order that Jesus could be more? In your life. And you have to answer that question. You know what baptism, I love baptism. I'm a, that's why we have them every month. I love them. You know what it symbolizes? It symbolizes that somebody's doing that. Somebody is saying, okay, I'm gonna, I've received Christ in my life and I want to go before everybody. And what I want to do is I'm going to lay down in this water. And then I'm, when I come back up, I'm laying down my old life and I'm going to take up a new life. I'm going to go, I'm turning from that and I'm going toward Jesus. That's what I want everybody to know. I'm laying down that I can take back up the new life of Christ. That's what, you know what? That's what we're doing on April the 30th. I love this time of the year. Once a year. We do a baptism and a rebaptism. You know why? Because there's some of you that when you receive Christ as a child, 
you know what, you got baptized, but then there's something, you just had some days in your life where you just walked away from God and you did everything the world did and you've come back to God. And here's what I want to tell you. It's time for you to tell the whole world again. I'm laying that down because they knew you as that person doing all that other stuff. So you just like, it's symbolizing laying down, getting back up. You know, Rhonda and I was rebaptized again in the Jordan River. We went to Israel about two years ago and we were baptized in the Jordan River. And guess what? On April the 30th, I do all the baptisms. You want to be baptized by me? Come on, get in the water. And let me tell you something. If it's your spouse for $20, I'll hold them down a little longer. <laughs> your kid? We can just make them think they're going to go to heaven. I wouldn't do anything like that. Okay, I don't know. You guys just, you draw this stuff out of me. You see all of my flaws, you just pull it right out. So if you'd like to be baptized, <laughs> after I said that, you're like, heck no. Anyways, if you're brave enough, <laughs> Matter of fact, if your spouse encourages you to, <laughs> maybe you want to fill the card out for them. There's a box on the back of our connection card here. Please check that box. The third thing, remember God's got a better plan. That's why they laid down, that, they laid down the things that, were, that they wanted to pave the way for Jesus to come into life. So there's a better plan. So when you lay down that stuff, you have a better plan. Number three is this, how to have a how to trust God's better plan is trust God's plan when I don't understand. Trust God's plan when I don't understand. Going right into the, back into the story. Now look what happened here. Again, they're expecting Jesus to come in and kick tail and take names. All of a sudden, Jesus did something. So after he rides on the donkey, look what happened. Look what he does. Jesus entered the what? Why don't you circle that? Temple. He entered the temple area, drove out all who were buying and selling there. And then let's read these next four words out loud. You ready? He overturned. Good grief. I mean, he, he shook up the place. He went in and just turned over all the tables, turned the tables of the money changers and the, and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it den of robbers. The blind and the lame come to him and at the temple and he healed them. So let me just tell you what happened. So Jesus come in and, and what would happen was if they basically had turned the temple, God's house, the church, into a place of taking advantage of people because people had to offer an uh, offering to God. And so if they needed an offering, they would jack the prices up of the offerings like the doves or whatever they were selling. They jacked the prices way up. They were ripping people off, stealing from them. And Jesus says, heck no. He goes in, grabs the table. He says, ah, oh, ah. Oh. He flips all the table over. And all you guys that thought Jesus was a wimp. Y'all thought he was a, no, he grabbed him a whip and went and cleaned the house. You so, and so here's the problem. 
The people, the people that were shouting, Hosanna, 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 laying down their cloaks and making the red carpet, Jesus come in. All of a sudden, they were expecting him to march directly into the Romans' house, directly into Herod's house and say, you're done, man. I'm taking over, and you're going to let these Jewish people go. You're going to quit giving them a hard time. But instead of walking in Herod's house, he walked right into God's house. And he cleaned out God's house. He dealt with the people of God before he ever dealt with the other people. Here's what I want to tell you. Before God can change your world, he's got to change you. Before God can change your circumstances in your life, he has to change you. That, that's it. Like we're praying, God, I need you to make my marriage better. God, I need you to make my children better. God, I need you to make my job better. God, I need my finances better. I need all, God, make this better. But here's the deal. Until God makes you better, you're going to keep making all that worse. If, if, God, if God comes in and he saves the day, which he does many times, you, if you don't change, you'll be right back in that mess again. That's why some of you are in a cycle right now. You get better, but then you're right back in. You get better and you're right back in. Why? Because you're saying, God, change that. Change them. But what you need to pray, what I have to pray, God, change me. Oh, and when I'm better, then I'm not going to make those same mistakes again, right? Because God makes it better. So here's the deal. Some of you are so tired of having to start over. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're tired of starting over, stop quitting. If you're, tired, if you're tired of starting over, if you say, oh, I'm tired of starting over this relationship, I'm tired of starting over my faith, I'm tired. Listen, if you're tired of starting over, stop quitting, baby. Let God finish the work inside of you. Let him do what he wants to do inside of you. Let him clean you out. Let him make you better. And if you'll just let him finish the work inside of you, then you'll get better and everything else will get better. See, the people said they wouldn't accept God's better plan because their plan was, Jesus, you come in, you go into Herod's house, you straighten these people out. But when Jesus didn't do what they said to do, all of a sudden, they got angry. And many of us sitting here today, when Jesus doesn't do what we ask him to do, we get angry. And you know how that you know when you're getting angry at God? Is your words have a way of changing. Remember when Jesus was walking in, Hosanna, Hosanna, you're the king, you're the king. And now, and now, just five days later, their words change. I want you to watch this clip to see how the words change. Look what it says. Look what they say. Crucify him. Crucify him. Isn't it amazing when you quit trusting God's better plan? Listen, in four days, babe, in four days, five days, their words change.
From Sunday to Friday, the words changed. It went from, Hosanna, you're the king, you're the king. Oh, Sunday, you're it, you're it. But by the time Friday come around, because he didn't do what he, they thought he should do, and he did it the way he, they thought he should do it, all of a sudden their words went from, you're the savior, to crucify him. That's how you know you quit trusting God. You know you quit trusting God when your words change from Sunday to Friday. Oh, oh, it hurts because there's been many times that I, me, 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 not you, me, 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 that my words have changed on Sunday. It was like, God, I'm believing for this. You're going to handle this. You're going to take care of this, God. I know that you are. I believe you. But by the time Friday comes and nothing's changed, it's like, God, you're not going to do it, are you? And somehow I, I, I have given up at times in my life. How about you? Has your words ever changed from Sunday to Friday? Some of us, listen, some of us, the truth of the matter is, our words change from Sunday to Monday, right? It's like, heck, on Monday, on Sunday, we got it, we got this, we got this. And then the first time you face that devil on Monday, the guess what? That you've been praying about, all of a sudden you go, oh, it ain't going to happen. And so our words change. But I want to challenge you today. Today I want to challenge you is that no longer will your words change from Sunday to Friday because this is what you have to determine when you trust God. Is this, as you make up your mind, look, it's coming up on the screen again. We trust God's plan when I don't understand. And you know what that means? That means this. That means no matter if he answers the prayer or not in one day or one week or one year or 10 years or 30 years or 40 years or 60 years, I am going to trust until the day that I die that that prayer will be answered. No more, no more are you taking that away from me. You say, well, it ain't happened yet. It ain't happened yet. And you're believing for it. I'm going to hold on until I die. Or either God answers, I believe that he's going to answer that prayer while I live. Or even after I die, he's going to answer the prayer. You're not still in my faith. No longer will my words go, you're the Savior on Sunday. And then by Friday, that I don't believe you anymore. Our words change, and that's how we know. And I just want to tell you, Jesus went and he turned the tables. He didn't just turn them upside down. He turned them right side up. What was messed up and jacked up, he fixed. What's upside down in your life that you need to let Jesus fix today? Let him turn the tables in your life. The last thing I'd like to share with you is this. Number four is ask God to save people. Ask God to save people. That's how you trust God's better plan. So your plan is one way, but God's got another plan, so we got to go with his plan. It works. Look at what happened. After Jesus went in and turned the tables on the people, turned the tables upside down, and they begin to shout, crucify him. Look what happened here. Matthew 21, but when the chief priest... And the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area. What did they shout? What did they shout? Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. 
they were indignant, the religious people were. Let me tell you what it means. Hosanna, I've been saving this word. I've been wanting to get to it all message. This word means when you, Hosanna means, Lord, save us now. Lord, save us now. When Jesus rode in on that donkey, they were shouting, Hosanna. That meant, Lord, save us now. Go right over to Herod's place and take care of business, Lord. Save us now. And even after Jesus goes into God's house and he cleans out God's house, the children still get it. And the children are singing, Lord, save us now. Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, save us now. Save us right now, Lord. We need you. Save us now. People are screaming all around you, Hosanna, but you're not hearing it. And I'm not hearing that. But we see it in the way that they live, the way that they're trying to find peace, the way that they're trying to find an answer. And what they're screaming is, save us, save us now. And the vision, the vision of Stockbridge Community Church, our vision is, is that we give people an opportunity for a better life that only comes through Christ. People are screaming, save us, save us now. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Inside of your program, there are invite cards to Easter service. We're having five this, this uh, Easter. This, matter of fact, Easter is this week, Easter week. This Friday, we're having this service at 7 o'clock. Saturday, we're having this service at 7 o'clock. And then our regular morning services. I'm challenging you to take these three cards and give them to somebody and bring them to church with you. That's our next step. That I will bring, do my best to bring three people to church with me. Why? Because they're screaming, save us, save us now. And they don't know what they need to be saved from. But when we get them here in God's presence and and among you, it's amazing how God does the work. Who do you know that needs to be saved? They're screaming, and Jesus is sending you. Now listen, if you've got to bring somebody Friday night, and you got to come again Saturday night to bring somebody, and then you got to come three times on Sunday, hallelujah. Because we know that we're going to heaven. But the people around us may not be, so it's our responsibility to do whatever it takes on this weekend to get them here. And so if somebody says, I can't come on Sunday, you say, hey, how about Friday? I can't come on Friday, how about Saturday? We've done that so you could do that. And you know what? They're going to come because you're going to ask. Lord, save us, save us now. I want you to do something with me. There's two things I'm going to ask you to do. One is that we, we as a staff will be fasting. We're going to fast for 24 hours. From tonight after we eat our last meal, which will be around 6 or 7 o'clock, We'll eat our last meal, and we're not going to eat again for 24 hours until tomorrow at that time, 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening. And every time that we get hungry, we're going to pray, Lord, save them, save them now. Save them, save them now. I'm asking you to join me in that fast. And if you're, you know, if you have a medical issue that you cannot literally do without food that long, I'm going to ask you to give up something, social media, give up something that when you're thinking about doing it, you would say, Lord, save them, save them now. 
The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is, first of all, I'm going to ask you to stand. Last week, all these rocks, there's a bunch of rocks. You may not be able to see them on the steps here on this in front of me. It was people that, that brought rocks in, and this represented somebody or, or some situation in their life that needed to be saved. I'm going to ask you to do something unselfish. This may be your first time here. You may not have ever come to the doors of these church. I'm going to ask you, please help me. I'm going to ask you that when they begin to sing, I want you to come down here and I want you to pick up a rock. I've already picked up mine from the first service. I want you to pick a rock up and I want you to take it with you and I want you to put it somewhere and every time you look at that rock this week, you're going to pray, God, save them. Save them now. How many of you believe that God will answer prayer? Let me see your hands. So I'm asking you to pray that prayer. You ready to let me pray for you? And then I want you to come pick up the rock as they sing. Father, right now in the name of your son, Jesus, these rocks represent souls and issues and lives. And I pray that right now, God, as we pick them up in faith, and as everybody, Lord, 100% participation, that, that people come down and grab a rock. God, that you are going to do what we cannot do. Lord, you're going to save. We're going to trust your plan. It's a better plan. And God, we're going to trust you to save them. We're going to invite, and you are going to save. And save them now, Lord. Save them now. I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Would you come now and let's pick up a rock together? Come on, I have mine. Would you pick up yours? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.